everyone, and welcome back to the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. Um, we're excited to be back for our second episode, and as always, I'm joined by my friends Walt and Emily. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. What's up? How's it going? Doing all right. Yeah? Yeah, I'm pretty good. <laughs> good. good. All, all things considered with the, well... With everything. <laughs> everything. Yeah. We don't need to get into the politics of the day on the podcast of the month. Oh, uh, no. let's 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 not do that. No, we're here to talk about manga. <laughs> and so last month we we talked about pocket monsters and this month we're talking about human monsters. <laughs> you you've been sitting on that one. Haven't you? I made it up today. Today, <laughs> a today. moment of inspiration. I I kind of thought that's where you were going. Um as you said that, and I, I almost wanted to groan, but, but <laughs> no, it was, I, it's funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm failing. This is no, only the okay. second episode. We're, all, we're already at rock bottom. Might as well end it now. It was a good run. <laughs> all right. Bye guys. Good job. Uh, uh, now, um, Vince, our fellow multi, uh, multiversity, um, cohort, Told uh, told me yesterday that um, our podcast is already better than the DC three cast ever was. So, wow, high praise. <laughs> but no this this month we are going to be talking about um, Monster, the first uh, Perfect Edition volume, which collects the what was originally the first two paperback volumes, um, written by. Na- Naoki Urasawa. Mm-hmm. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yep, Naoki Urasawa. Uh, double double vowels always <laughs> trip me up. Um, so so yeah, you all, um, I think, are more. Have you all read the entire series? We have, yeah. Yes, okay. both of us. Have. Okay. I, mm-hmm. So prior to this, I had only read the the first uh, single volume, not the okay. the perfect volume. So this was my first time reading um, the second volume, and that's that's as far as I've read. Mm-hmm. See, it's interesting that you bring that up because that's one of the things I actually wanted to talk about. How what I thought was interesting about how it was recollected in this way. Um, so I guess I'll jump right in you know into you might want to summarize it a little bit (laughs) well you know the whole uh core premise of monster is you have this dr tenma who is a surgeon a brilliant surgeon and he's in a situation where at the very beginning he has this boy who's been shot right in the head chances of survival are slim But he's going to, you know, the boy's there, he's going to save him. And when the mayor of this town that he's in, or city, I forget if he's in uh, Berlin at the beginning, the mayor of wherever he is, um, shows up at the same time. But since the boy was here first, he says, no, I got to continue working on this boy. It doesn't matter that his odds are slim. That's just my duty as a doctor. The mayor dies. He gets demoted. And then that boy grows up to be a terrible killer. And that's basically from then on, he's kind yeah. of a, on a 
quest to avert yes. this. But that's, see, this is what I wanted to quickly bring up as long as, you know, Zach had opened up the door about talking about the one volume versus the first two. So the way that the original series was corrected, collected, um, the first volume ends with uh, Tenma running into this boy, Johan, realizing he's the one who's been up to no good. And, you know, then it gets the premise across to begin with. Um, so you mentioned that you had read that first one, Zach, and, you know, that's all you read since until now, right? Correct. Yeah. And so, okay, that's, that's good. Cause I was curious what, how you think it changed things because the way that they collect it by the second one, it goes more into, all right, here's the way that the story is going to unfold. You know, they introduce the other major characters um, and it kind of gets more, it goes beyond just here's the premise. It goes, here's how things are going to start unfolding with, um, you know, Tenma on the run being suspected of these murders that he didn't do and all that. Uh, do you think the way that they changed how it was collected made it a bit more of something that would, you know, grab your interest and get you wanting to continue? I know that's a leading question, but... Um, <laughs> so, so it is interesting how the first book ends. It's almost, it's, it's not quite, um, you know, a, a like one and done type thing. It, it ends with the revelation and so in that way you know it is kind of like a, a sort of a complete package but it but it's not it, it ends with a bit of a not quite a cliffhanger but you are compelled to keep going and in fact the only reason i didn't um is just because I, I was picking this up from my local library and they only had the first volume and and i didn't pursue it after that um okay. but but yeah it is kind of interesting how the first volume is very much um, just concerned about uh, Tenma and and kind of the situation that he's found himself in, and then once you get into the second half of this book, the second volume, um, originally, the world kind of opens up and it becomes this this much bigger thing. Um, right. And, and it's and it's interesting. I I kind of feel like we see that a lot in in television these days, where where a first season will be, you know, kind of this short thing that, that introduces us to to the concept and the characters and then in subsequent seasons, you know, it opens up a lot and so by the by the time you get a few seasons in it's it's a completely different animal and and, and I've read a little bit about, you know, where the story goes after this volume even and it, and it seems like it's even more of that. You know, it kind of continues to grow. Um, I do think that this issue or this volume the perfect edition ends in kind of a strange place. Um, it, it's almost like it goes one chapter too too far. Hmm. I don't know what you all think about that. So, I actually kind of had a similar reading experience to you, Zach. Um, I first started reading Monster about three years ago, and I picked up like the first three volumes individually. But I can't remember. Does the first volume end? Um, it ends with Johan confronting Tenma in that like parking garage, right? 
Right, yes. right. <laughs> so, the, um, the last, the last thing we have is the interaction between Tenma and the investigator. Uh, yeah, his comp. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, lunge. Lunge. Yeah, and it's and it ends with him um, kind of breaking down in the street in the rain. Yeah, I think is the last page. I see. Now that I think about it, um, like it definitely is. That is definitely one of the more shocking scenes. I mean, the first time you see Johan, and I think it's. Well, I mean, not to spoil too much, but I mean, like, it, you know, Tenma does run into Johan again, but not for a while. Um, so it is kind of monumental. Uh, but I actually kind of liked where the Perfect Edition ended, uh, ended because it, it felt, I guess it felt like a bit more conclusive. Like, it, it felt like... Um, well... How do I put it? Like, like I, I did like how climactic that first, well, the first original volume ended, how, how climactic that was, but I guess it just felt a little bit more complete knowing that Tenma is going to go off and find Johan. He's trained, and I guess, I, I don't know, I guess I just preferred it to... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very different ending, you know, um, like the way that the, the first half ends... You, mm-hmm. you were kind of left with this, you know, really bleak. Right. Um, you know, it could have almost ended there with the re- revelation that this this boy. I don't know how like how much do we want to go into like spoilers here? Well, I mean, I think we're assuming uh, the people but, listening have already read the uh, volume. Okay. I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, but just the revelation that this boy that he saved is now a killer and, and just having to live with that. That's a, you know, a really like heart wrenching story. Uh, that, right. that could be like just a really bleak short film. Yeah, you know? exactly. Right. And, yeah. I, that's, that's kind of what I was trying to get at was that it, it almost was too bleak at the very end. I feel like it just, you know, ending with him just, you know, on his knees in the rain was maybe a little too much. And I kind of liked how the end of this volume was a little bit, well, I don't know if hopeful is the world is the word, but a little bit more, positive i guess um <laughs> if if anything in monster can be positive <laughs> but uh well it, it also ends with that you know kind of short story of uh you know lunge talking with the guy who tenma stayed with for a bit yes. and so i'm not sure i'm not sure if that was more what you were talking about zach how it like ended kind of on this brief note of Oh, and by the way, here's this little story. Right. Yeah, that that is kind of what I'm uh, I was getting at because I think the the previous chapter before that ends with um you know, Tenma kind of escaping from the hospital when everything starts yeah. to go down and that kind of seemed like a logical end point for the first volume. And and yeah. this this I I understand mm-hmm. that it's uh you know, each it, it looked like each original volume collected about eight chapters. And so that's just how it kind of fell. Right. Um, and I, and I think that's kind of where you and I come from with our, you know, Western comics experience, you know, we're used to, especially in modern years of the whole idea of, even though it's sometimes used in a derogatory manner, you know, writing for trade. And so, you know, then, you know, you have these paperbacks out that perfectly correspond to here is this story arc. Um, Whereas that isn't really much of a thing in manga as far as I, you know, I, I haven't read a lot, a lot, but, you know, a lot does kind of, you know, you'll get one paperback that is kind of split between the end of one story and the beginning of another. And so, yeah, you sometimes I, 
get stuff like this where it's just kind of I, I agree the second to last chapter in this collection would have probably been good to end on yeah um but at the same time uh if correct me if i'm wrong this is the first urasawa series that you've read right so i've read some of 20th century boys okay you've read some of 20th oh, century cool. boys so you know he has like a major part of uh his style and a lot of a lot of people do this but I, it's something i particularly note with him um is that he has like a lot of these you know vignette stories between you know yes after after having like you know six seven chapters that like tell one continuous thing if that you know sometimes even shorter you then have like you know a chapter where it's just a quick like oh here's what happened with this character and such and so in a way it does kind of make sense to kind of uh give a feel for this is the sort of thing you'll be seeing more often i don't know if that was deliberate or not uh just because as, as you said it is just the each one was eight chapters they've been put together to have 16 so i don't know and i don't think that it was a deliberate thing but it kind of works but i can i can see why it would be a bit oh yeah yeah it it didn't bother me um just because i'm kind of used to that in in manga in that if you know generally when you think of things think in terms of story arcs and manga they're, they're generally you know s- you know several dozens of chapters long and so it would be unreasonable to to kind of collect for trade you know yeah in the, the same way, that way we that... think of yeah um, right. uh, so no it i i didn't mind it really at all and in fact that last chapter it actually was you know fairly hopeful like it's probably the the most hopeful thing in the entire volume um cuz we end with you know just this nice little story about this kind of grizzled ex-soldier and and this and this girl that he saved and you know, yes yeah. um, right yeah he's very good at those little uh stories like that like Walter was saying um and there are quite a few in monster um just and i think again it yeah Go on. Oh, sorry. Um, as as uh, I started off by saying, it kind of gives a feel for how the series is going to be, as you know, as well as like when you know there's direct bits of the plot advancing. There's also going to be like these little bits of you know, as the whole cat and mouse game plays out, just the different lives that they touch and all that as they uh, go across the country. Yeah, I think. I think um, this uh, this first volume of the of the perfect edition really gives you a sense of how much humanity there is in his works. Um, you know, it's not just this thriller, which he is also one of the best at. I think um, writing those kinds of stories, but also these very human stories that, like, even if they're quite short, you really connect with the characters, and um, some of them are really quite emotional, honestly. Yeah, I I remember just like you know like initially I really loved the first volume when I read it. Um just it it hit me like personally being like someone uh being in in pharmacy school and the the healthcare field, you know, seeing like seeing someone dealing with like 
medical ethics and and things like that yeah. was super super interesting and, and all of that but then it's so weird now getting to the end of the perfect edition and seeing how different the story is like how how different the direction it's going um you know it almost started yeah. off as like this kind of medical drama you know character like really character driven thing not that not that it's not still character driven but it becomes right. much more of this kind of you know thriller crime drama type thing yeah that's a, that's an interesting way to put it because it isn't until like a little bit into it that it really becomes apparent that oh this is a, a right. slightly violent, suspenseful thing, not just like, you know, because yeah. at first it does kind of seem like the main issue he's running across is, oh, my boss is getting, you know, credit for my work. Um, and then you have the ethical dilemma of helping the patient. And so, yeah, that, that, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way, Zach. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, oh, 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 I was just going to say, I, I really like this a lot. This is... Um, I can't wait to read more of this now. Oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's excellent. <laughs> Not to spoil anything, but it's um, really, really good. <laughs> um, but I was going to say that uh, speaking of the uh, character work, um, I really like how they... I feel like uh, Tenma is really established really well and really strongly in, in just a few short chapters. Um you really get a sense for his motivations and stuff. And something that Walter didn't mention in his, his quick little summary was that um, early on, like even earlier than when he operates on Johan, um, one of the first things uh, that you see happen in the manga is that he, uh, his the director of the hospital he works at, um, tells him to operate, I think it's on an opera singer, some, someone famous, over a like a construction worker or something that came in uh, early, earlier than this guy. And so he does, because that's what his boss told him to do. And later on, you know, and, and he saves this guy, he saves this, this famous person. And later on, the wife of the construction worker who he passed on, um, you know, comes up to him and kind of starts beating on his chest, crying and saying, like, why didn't you operate on my husband? And you find out that, you know, her, her husband uh, had died on the operating table and, and Tenma is kind of just haunted by this possibility that he could have saved this guy, you know, even though he wasn't famous, he couldn't have brought the hospital much, much of anything. Um, you know, but he thinks, you know, what if I had done the ethical thing and operated on the person that came in first? So, and who was in more critical condition. So that kind of is what spurs him to operate on Johan instead of the uh, mayor. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the character beats are, are so well well done that way. You know, the the way that mm -hmm. themes and, and ideas are kind of seeds are planted and, and foreshadowed, and it, yeah, it's it, it really is like uh, people toss around like terms like masterful and then things like that, you know, pretty liberally. But this is this is very good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and following up that initial scene with the uh, construction worker, uh, Emily and I discussed this a bit this morning, I believe. Uh, there's, you know, this the page that kind of uh, sets forth what is really one of the key questions of the book is, you know, he's explaining this to his then fiance, you know, this dilemma that he's faced. Um, and there's a clear 
all right, this is the point moment where you've got like this very large panel where she's like looking at him, you know, smiling and she's just like, you know, some lives are worth more than others. Right. And I, I'd say really that is probably um, as you'll see as you continue, Zach, and you too, dear listener. Uh, <laughs> that is kind of the uh, key idea that's grappled with within this story. There are other, you know, important ones too, but, you know, the the idea that is it how do you determine who is worth saving who deserves to live can you determine that um and you know right maybe he wasn't you know too subtle about it but sometimes when you're extremely good you don't have to be subtle right and i mean he's not always so on the nose with his messages um that was just something i noticed while while rereading i said uh well this is a little bit uh in your face here, but, um, I mean, it is one of the more important themes in the story and something that really defines Tenma. So it is important to kind of just absorb early on. That's, that's interesting because it makes, it makes me think of something else I was, I was thinking about while reading it in that, um, this is fairly grounded. Um, you know, there's not a lot of like really, ham-fisted or like over-the-top things but there was one thing that i noticed that i that i thought this is this is just very this is very in line with a lot of manga that i've read and it's it's the character of of lunge the way he he will like air type to access his his His, uh he has like um he has like photographic memory basically yeah i i just that i thought that was like so funny i thought Sorry, just, go. <laughs> oh, I just just like all like tiptoeing the line of of you know suspension of disbelief, and that but that was like the only thing. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's more of just a quirk. I mean, it is a little silly, I guess, um, in the wider context of the of the manga, and knowing the kind of person that Lunge is, though, um, he's very obsessive. He's basically the Javert of the story. Um, well, what I was thinking about this. <laughs> Morning is it's uh, kind of lo- like the uh, like the fugitive. If you've both mm. seen that, mm-hmm. um, have you, Zach? No. Oh, okay. It's a well. I guess then we can't spend too much time on. But it's a it's a movie with Harrison Ford where he's a, a doctor accused of murdering his wife, but he knows who the real murderer is, and uh, he's got this one detective played by Tommy Lee Jones who's like doggedly pursuing him. Um, so it, that just dawned on me the sort of connection to that this morning while I was at work and, you know, kind of spacing off a little bit. Um, <laughs> How dare you? Um, but the difference being that the famous line from The Fugitive is, you know, I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Whereas oh. in this case, Lunge does care and believe. He, he gets a lot, well, I, I won't spoil too much, but he has some really cool scenes um, later. Actually, not too much, uh, too much uh, later than this first volume. Um, I think it actually happens in the next volume. But um, yeah, if yeah, you choose I will, to read that part, he gets a lot more interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that he is one of the most, one of the best, like, single character arcs I've read in a comic. Um, he goes through a lot of interesting development 
in a sense, like it's it's weird because like a part of him, as you might get the impression, Zach, he doesn't. He's the guy that kind of the remains unfazed through most things, um, <laughs> and as the world changes around him, he doesn't react too much. But in a way that I th- I think that's part of how the term development can be misleading, because sometimes a character doesn't need to change. In this case, he does a little bit towards the end, but you know, right. so long so long as you know the activities uh, going around kind of bring out some new aspect of that character, even if that character itself uh, doesn't change too much. And I think that he's a very good example of that. Yeah. Um, have either of you read Death Note? I have seen the entire anime. <laughs> and I, I've only read the first few chapters. I'd really like to okay. read more of it. But I know a lot about it from Emily and I talk about a lot of things without any concern of spoilers. Just saying, oh, you know, this happens in this. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I did the whole series for, for the original Manga Club. That's right. And I hated it. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't like it at all. Um, no, I okay. I, I liked parts of it. And why I bring it up is because a lot of the things that I liked about that series, Monster does... And then so, does more and does does a better job. I honestly, yeah, no, I can't, I can't argue with you on that. I mean, that as much as I like Death Note, um, Monster is a much more sophisticated story. Right. So, so for fans of, of Death Note out there, for people who do like Death Note, um, and, or if you know people who, who like Death Note, um, monster might be a good recommendation yeah i think that's a good way or so, spoilers monster does not have any supernatural elements <laughs> not too big of a spoiler i mean you can probably tell that from just the first volume but <laughs> yeah or or if you are someone who read it you know back in high school middle school years ago right then it might be yeah and you haven't maybe read much manga since then I'd highly recommend this. In fact, I'd also, uh, I'd, it's one of my ones that I would say I would recommend to people who don't even really, haven't really read any manga oh, or comics. absolutely. Pro- pro- provided it isn't somebody that I'm embarrassed to like say, here, you should read this like my dad or something. <laughs> um, do we want to, do we want to talk real quick about the art? Yeah, I, I do want to talk about the art a lot. Um, I think it's important to mention that uh, Urasawa, at least I, I can't remember if I read this officially, but he does use something of like a cast system for his stories, um, kind of based mm-hmm. on what uh, Osamu Tezuka used to do. He's the author of like Astro Boy and Blackjack. Um, basically, what he does is uh, in his stories, uh, he uses kind of the same character designs for different characters, kind of as if like different actors were the same actors were just doing different movies. Um, so if you've read something like 20th century boys, um, you'll notice that some of the characters in monster, uh, look very similar and that's why. Yeah. Particularly, particularly like supporting right. cast, uh, types. And I think that's, it's something that I've noticed in a few manga artists, um, Again, it was originally, I'm pretty sure, done by Tezuka. And, you know, Tezuka's 
the most influential manga artist of artist creator (laughs) cartoonist period um and so you see others doing that um and that's something that's interesting to me as a american comics fan because i i think maybe we could probably agree on this sack that a lot of superhero comics artists even some very good ones uh kind of use the distinctive designs of the costumes and such as a crutch and so that they only have to rely on that so that when it comes to their face like maybe if the character has like distinctive hair or something but a lot of times when you have like these like really you have some superstar superhero artists i won't name any names but you know they when they like draw these plain clothes scenes you know it's hard to tell you know who might be who except for like maybe they add on like oh this guy in the green shirt well that's got to be hal jordan you know or something like that right yeah there there are certain artists who who have um you know a a limited repertoire of faces and they get recycled a lot and you do need kind of those distinct um like character attributes like like you know a a hair curl on on clark kent uh, (laughs) or you know something like or the costume itself you know to kind of distinguish them and it's the and it's the interesting thing about this whole like cast approach is that yeah you might see the same character like show up in different series you know just oh okay well this is this looks like you know so and so from 20th century boys um but within the series itself everybody is clearly distinct you know there's not really any moments of like oh wait a second is that supposed to be this right. guy, is this right. guy. You know, it's intentional. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could look at it as, I guess if you were looking at it out of context, you could see it as being lazy, but I don't really mind it. You know, it's not like he's reusing, he's also reusing, like, I don't know, character arcs or anything, you know? Right. So... Yeah, this um his art is so um unique, I feel like. Yeah, I um, feel it's very fun that I've read. Yeah. It, it's very <laughs> functional, I think. Um I it's it's nice, like it's well drawn. I I don't you know, I'm not an expert on art or anything, but it 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 never really like blew me away, but he's he is very good at like conveying expressions at clearly showing how a scene is played out i was never confused as to what was going on in a scene basically and that's you know that's very important so <laughs> and another weird thing that i bring up about him in conversations about his art that it, it sounds weird to say um, but he draws ethnicity very well that's not yeah. again it's not, it sounds mm-hmm. kind of weird but he doesn't like you know rely on any sort of like stereotypes or anything. That would be bad. <laughs> but, um, yeah, a lot of these characters have like a distinctly European feel to them. Yeah, and, and yeah, go on. Sorry, Walter. Oh, okay. Um, that, but then you've got like Tenma, who you can clearly tell is supposed to be Japanese, right. but it's it's not like done in any way where it's like, oh, 
that character is supposed to be Japanese. I mean, obviously with right. the, it, and if you Solo read, himself, probably, but yeah. And if you read Twentieth Century Boys, you'll see he does he does do like especially Asian ethnicity um, really well. Um, but one that I, I was talking to Walter about this earlier, but one that I, I'm kind of it kind of strikes me as funny is like Lunge. I I can kind of see him as both European and Asian. <laughs> I don't he, know what it is about he him. Is a, he is a bit of the exception. That he <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like, think his, it's his, he has like the the larger nose. Mm-hmm. And, that might be it. But but like his, something about like his jawline and even, and even like his, his eyes and, and brow. Right. I, I, I kind of agree, or, or maybe a, a little... Uh, a little more um, Asian, right? Yeah, I don't know. That that is yeah. interesting. He, I, it, sound, it sounds I weird to say, but yeah, it does sound weird to say. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, but no, I think I agree with you. Um, in that he is kind of like this. He's just a very um striking character in general. Yeah, his design. There's a similar character in uh, 20th Century Boys. Um. He doesn't look exact. I mean, some of the characters in Monster are almost exact uh, analogs to twentieth uh, to twentieth century boys characters. Or, sorry, I can't remember. Well, basically, some of the characters in Monster and twentieth century boys can be interchanged. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, like Kana and um, Nina. Uh, but uh, Lunge is kind of like a twentieth century boys character, but doesn't look exactly like him. So maybe that's why I'm also kind of like Yeah, it could be influencing our right view on him. Yeah. Um was there anything else uh, you wanted to talk about regarding the guard Zach? You mentioned, you know, when we switched to it. Uh, no, yeah, I just wanted to talk about it because I I did really like it a lot. Um he has, okay. you know, like that's maybe one thing, um Switching from American comics to to manga, uh, you know, just being very familiar with American comics and American comic artists, I can look at a piece of art and generally know who drew it. Um, right. Whereas with manga, I'm nowhere near that in terms of like familiarity with artists. But I I can look at a piece of Urasawa's art and and know that instantly know that it's him. It's just very distinct. That's true. Right. And, and it, without at the same time, it's not like heavily stylized. No. And that, that's that's interesting to me that like he's got like a very practical eye and a practical way of drawing things. And that it's still very distinctive. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Uh, so uh, do we have a closing thoughts on it or? <laughs> well, I just go on. Bob, nope, you. <laughs> Okay, I'll go first this time. Um, I I would just have to say that if you like this first volume, there's really no reason not to read the rest of it. Um, in my opinion, the manga never really dips in quality. It's, it's um, very consistent. Yes. Um, it's probably my one of my favorite manga, if not my favorite. Um, the only thing I would say is that if you if you do decide to go on with it, um, it does get very complex and layered as far as, uh, just characters and plot threads. So it's probably better to try to read it. Um, try to read the volumes like pretty close to each other. Otherwise you might feel a little overwhelmed, but definitely if you liked this first 
volume, it just gets better from here. So go for it. And as the advantage of, you know, it's not that long, of course, saying not that long, it's still like, you know, for manga. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's still, you know, will take up a bit of shelf on your space on your shelf. Head. Oh, that's something else too. He does not do digital versions of his work, right? Yes. As a matter of principle, he does not, which, well, it's that's nice. his opinion. It's, it's his work. <laughs> He can do what he, right. he can have it published how he wants. But it's, un it's unfortunate for us who have, when we have limited shelf space, but it's worth it. <laughs> right. But as someone who, who is like actively trying to downsize what I have physically, right. this is exactly. something I can be proud of having on yes. my shelf. Absolutely. Yes. And yeah, you, you will not be disappointed. All right, we're going to take a, a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk about the uh, this past month in Weekly Shonen Jump, as well as the contest. What contest? Well, you'll find out. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at the Eisner-nominated MultiversityComics.com. Every week we take about 15 minutes to check out books hitting the shelves on Wednesday that we're most looking forward to. We also have long-form discussions about books we're excited for, both old and new. These episodes have included works like Jaime Hernandez's Love Bunglers and Katsuhiro Otomo's epic Akira. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the people we've had on the show have been Tom Scioli, Paul Pope, Leila Del Duca, and John Workman. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow on iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comics-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're in the second part of the podcast where we discuss uh, the past month in Weekly Shonen Jump. But before that, we have a, a special contest for you listeners. Multiversitycomics.com and Viz Media have a one-year gift subscription to Weekly Shonen Jump which we're going to give away to one of you podcast listeners. Uh, the subscription includes 48 issues a year, each with about 200 pages of manga, if not more. There's exclusive uh, members-only content that you can get in the magazine. And along with that, you get four exclusive Yu-Gi-Oh cards mailed to your home, provided you live in the U.S. or Canada. Um, all you have to do is take a screenshot on your phone, computer, whatever you use to subscribe to podcasts that shows that you have subscribed to the Multiversity Manga Club in iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever your podcast manager of choice is. If you tweet that image and use the hashtag MCMangaClub, you'll be entered uh, to uh, be chosen at random, uh, which will be drawn on Friday, March 17th at noon Eastern Standard Time. Uh, if you need more details, uh, just visit multiversitycomics.com. And so once again, just subscribe, take a screenshot on whatever uh, you use to subscribe, whether it's your phone, your computer, whichever. Take a screenshot of the program, tweet using hashtag MC Manga Club. And with that, let's uh, go on and start talking about Weekly Shonen Jump. Um, to start off the new year, the magazine has uh, started with doing a few of what they call jump starts, which we mentioned in our first one, which if you yourself have uh, been reading Weekly Shonen Jump, you'd know. But 
as a refresher, basically what it is is that they take a few different series that are currently running in Japan and the various magazines over there, and they give them three chapters here in the U.S., and based on reader response, you know, they might get the chance to be one of the ones that is published in Weekly Shonen Jump. Um, this month, we had three that started. So we've got, we went through the full first three of one, two of the next, and as of the time of recording, uh, the only the first chapter of the third. Uh, so I figured we would go through them in order and talk about our first impressions of them. Uh, the first one is called We Never Learn. Um, it's, I guess, sort of, would you guys say that it's fair to say it's a romantic comedy? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it, it even kind of um, refers to itself jokingly as a rom-com at, at one point. That's right, that's right. There's comedy a joke is about. kind of pushing it. <laughs> so you're getting already an impression of what we thought of it. <laughs> um, Sorry. The... I thought the core premise, which is basically, you have these two girls, they're both brilliant in one field, you know, one broad field even, uh, you know, one's extremely intelligent when it comes to the liberal arts, one, you know, more the math and science field, but they both want to, you know, do the other, uh, you know, one, they want to get into school for the liberal sciences, if it's the girl who is very good in the mathematics, and for mathematics, the other way around. And they're not very good at that at all. And so they've got this tutor who is uh, more of a very intelligent guy, but uh, not excelling in any one field. And he is tasked with teaching them for the sake of his school to help them get into the schools that they want at the behest of the administration there. Um, So I think it's fair to say that I was not very impressed with this. (laughs) Um, No. Yeah. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's really cute. Generic. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. The the first chapter was fine. Yeah. Until you get um, to the last page. <laughs> I was about to say, um, yeah. When I when I read the first chapter, I was like, okay, this is pretty stereotypical, generic, but it's readable. You know, it's not too gross. And then you get the last few panels, which show, you know, ambiguously aged high school girls in, I guess, the bath, you know, with water or some other conveniently placed thing uh, covering certain body parts. Um, And I was like, okay, I see what kind of manga this is. And... uh, But it's funny because that's... It's not even really that kind of manga when you get into, like, subsequent chapters. It was just, you know, that, that, like, first chapter... Just a bit like, we know what you want. Right, exactly. I almost <laughs> feel like, it's like, okay, well, uh, you're a guy reading a, um, like a quote, this is this is basically a, a harem, um, a small one. But, um, a harem of two. Yes. Um, I mean, you're supposed to pick your favorite girl, and then you hope that the main guy 
uh, gets who's with just you, like you. Who's just like you um, gets with your favorite. Though I will say that this guy is a little bit okay, a little bit better, I guess, than the generic um, harem main character. He's got a little bit going for him, I guess. Not a whole lot, but um, I mean, again, the standards aren't very high. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I. Not thrilled with it. No, no. I'm, I'm trying to say something nice, but I, I can't even really make that sound. Like I said, I thought that the core premise itself was okay. For me, what it was, as I, I think I might have uh, described it this way to you guys uh, when we were communicating by email. For me, it was like a gradual, like, steadily going downhill of okay, this is kind of a interesting idea. They have like different interests and all that, but you know, they, I, I get the idea that, okay, maybe what you want to do isn't what you're good at. I think that's a interesting. Yeah. In fact, in some ways it's a kind of an important um, idea. And then it's kind of like, as it went on, it's just like, well, this isn't that good though. And then mm. it got to, all right, now they're like, you know, right off the bat in the first chapter, finding like really like shoehorn, ways to show adolescent yeah and also nudity. also um sorry this is kind of jumping to like writing aspects of it which you know are, are kind of a different beast entirely but their motivations for pursuing uh their chosen you know career path are really kind of lame i thought um you know the one girl who is there's one girl who's really good at um English, but she wants to be good at math because something about her mom dying and she, her, her mom had a her favorite star, star or something star. and she wants to become an astronomer. So that's kind of shruggy. Um, and then the other girl, this is even more esoteric and I don't even know how to explain this, but basically what I gathered was that <laughs> this other girl who's good at math um, wants to be good at English because she wants to be able to understand people's emotions? Is that? For like games, for like board games. For, yeah. She, she's, right. she can't win at board games because she can't understand basic human emotions. <laughs> Which is very anime. Um, it, it definitely felt like they came up with the, uh, they had the idea right. of this and then they didn't spend too much time thinking of, well, why do they want to do the other thing? Rather exactly. Than what they're good at? Um, so I'd say that if it continued, I don't, I don't even think I'd continue reading it. Like I, I give a lot of series a chance that if it started when I was reading it, I'll follow it for a bit. But even at, even at this point, I probably wouldn't read much more of it. How about no. the two of you? No, same. Um, <laughs> It's, uh, I feel I mean, like I'm glad, you... I'm glad that it's not what it kind of could what be. I was afraid it would be after the first chapter. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's still not like something that's like, you know, very compelling on its own. Right. Yeah. And I feel like if you've read enough manga and you, you kind of get the sense of what this type of manga is going to be, and it's really not showing any signs of trying to defy tropes. So I'm like, I have no interest in continuing this because I kind of know exactly how this is going to turn out. <laughs> yeah. 
right, so the second the second series that began this year was called U19. Um, the main... It's basically, in some ways, a very heavy-handed metaphor of, you know, the... You've got this grown-up party. You know, it's a semi-dystopia uh, sort of story where, you know, everyone's roles are determined very early on. They've got to, you know behave like grown-ups fit into certain you know as they're raised in school they've got to learn how to properly behave you know it's and so of course the main character is going against these um and as of this most recent chapter there's this bit about how people under certain stress exhibit these like amazing powers and well what do you know the hero has those you know that's i mean i'm thanks, I'm thanks to libido <laughs> yes that the, of course the, thanks to libido um that is Ugh. the name of the special ability I, I thought I, it, I, this is part of me likes this book but another part of me I, it's, it's, it might be my least favorite yeah i feel I, like i get that Zach. i yeah i do too and i feel like I feel like, okay, I, I want to say that this is saying something about Japanese society that I'm just not getting. Like, I know that, I, I don't know, maybe there's some, maybe I'm giving this too much credit. <laughs> well, but, what, I thought, what I thought was interesting um, was that it wasn't just a sort of like, you know, um, rebelling against like the ideas of behaving yourself, but I do find it was interesting that it also has like a sort of uh it's not like terribly progressive but you know this um gender roles aspect of it too how he likes to sew and do other things that you know men shouldn't do and maybe i have again i zach and i are relatively relatively new to you know more the shonen manga but that kind of seems like you know it's not being played for laughs or anything he just like Likes yeah. to sew, and that's kind. Of, that, I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, yeah. I hadn't seen anything uh, like that quite in a uh, yeah. shonen series yet. Yeah, it, it. You know, it is interesting. It it does seem like a result. Like I'm only, you know, my understanding of, of modern Japanese culture comes from mostly <laughs> watching anime and reading manga. So like, it's not the best, but this seems <laughs> like a response to like you know, kind of like. I guess like neat culture and kind of what we're seeing yeah. in America with like the anti-millennial sentiments. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like also there is a sense in um, uh, a lot of shonen and people bring this up, you know, people who've watched enough anime and read enough manga, like why is so much stuff said in high school and with high school age people? It, it, it seems there seems to be this sense, at least from what I gather, I'm not an expert on Japanese culture, so don't crucify me, but um, that like your high school years are the best years of your life because so many people in Japanese society go on to do these kind of soul crushing, uh, salary man jobs. Um, and I mean, you know, the same, the same thing you could say happens here. Uh, but just the work culture, um, and, is, and in a way it's kind of subverting that by, you know, yeah. well, you know, it isn't so great because you're being put on this, uh, path right, right away. Um, I think the, I think part of what makes it like what you said, Zach, of this is simultaneously, I like it, but I don't, 
is that it walks a very difficult line of it's very you know it's not subtle at all no <laughs> it's 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 very on the nose and that's not bad but it means that like when you're doing that when you're like trying to make a specific message that's a bit more than just like you know being selfish is bad you know when you're trying to make a specific commentary and you do this kind of more on the nose uh metaphor about it um it means that when it misses right it misses hard mm-hmm. when it hits it's good but it, and i think that's it's like walking a tightrope um that yeah that's a good way to as you put it earlier zach it, yeah. it's it somehow feels both like this is pretty good and Man, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> right. it, I, it is very over the top. It is not subtle. Like this, this chapter featured, you know, a, a major, um, you know, expression of 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 love, and um, it, it was very over the top. Yeah, there is <laughs> only, a... to, only to be followed with her being abducted off the top of a school building by. Yeah, um, and and this whole thing about the red thread, I know I've seen that before. I think that's a theme that has come up in uh, Asian cinema before. At least I don't know if it's if it's exclusive to Japanese stuff. Um, but this whole like, like red thread of fate, um, at least that's a little bit different, I guess, for this. Like, I mean, usually you just see like something about a guy who's in love with his, you know, childhood friend, which this is, but, um, I guess they're making it a little different. Not that it's super compelling. I don't really think it is, but, um, it's, it's at least incorporating something, I guess, a little bit different than you usually see. Yeah. I do think I like the protagonist in that he is, he's not your typical shonen lead necessarily. Like, like yeah. we kind of alluded to, you know, he's yeah. they're like playing with like ideas of masculinity and Yeah, he's he's rebellious in a different way. Right. He's yeah. like referred to numerous times as like a like a passive herbivore or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a that's a term I think that's used in um Japanese culture. I can't exactly remember how it would be kind of defined in contemporary English, but like I yeah. You know, it's just kind of a, a weak-willed guy, I guess. Like, a not a stereotype, uh, you know, not a masculine dude, basically. Right. Where, as put in this magazine, where most of these, you know, right. series that run in it, you know, it's quite the opposite. So, I was I, when we were originally planning this, I was thinking of having us vote at the end. But when we were talking about before we started uh, recording, it quickly became clear that between the three of us, our most favorite of the three is this third one, which has only even had one chapter. It is a demon prince. Poro. My notes. Poro. Um, <laughs> and like I said, we all agree. I would say that this is a significant cut above the others. The basic uh, yeah. premise is you've got this little cute little demon boy who's like the prince of hell or some sort like that so is it did they say hell they sometimes do the the demon world is the demon yeah world. it's it's yeah. kind of vague vague but in in some ways it reminds me of uh one punch man actually in in mm-hmm. a weird in a weird sort 
because uh, there's like this big emphasis on like the ranks. You know, all these demons fight each other because you know whoever at a certain at this certain point, you know, whoever's the strongest is going to be the next uh, demon king, and our demon prince is you know the most likely to be that. But he's like a little sweet kid uh, who's obsessed with the human world, particularly with Japan, um, <laughs> and he doesn't want to fight or anything like that but he's constantly being you know put upon just all these people want to fight him and he doesn't want to but then he annihilates them um right each time um so i thought it was uh i i felt that there was a similar theme with this and as i said one punch man and there was another series uh goodness i'm forgetting its name again another jump start that ran last year um, oh, was it that uh, the demon who was like a salaryman, basically? Is that what you're thinking of? That that was actually that fits into it. That wasn't uh, specifically what I was thinking of. Instead, it was like a robot boy. Um, oh, that's right. Oh, oh, what yeah, was that called? Uh, like, it was spring... like spring, spring something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's like a similar sort of feel to these uh, that they've they've all managed to be different. It's not like any one of them is retreading each other, uh, but. The whole like kind of inconspicuous little guy who turns out to be really powerful. Of course, you know, that's like a trope that has been around for a long time. But the specific way that they play it up of, you know, they're going around just kind of looking really, you know, demure for a lot of it. And then all of a sudden there's like some huge uh, moment of it. I feel there's a bit of an overlap in it yeah, while still doing it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I yeah, I mean, there was a lot of humor that I felt like, okay, I've seen this before. I feel like this is kind of becoming common. Like, oh, I can't believe this little demon boy just, like, uh, opened the door and he destroyed the wall in the process. And everyone's just kind of treating it like, like they're, they're surprised, but then they don't really think about it later on. And, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, demon, the demon kid just kind of gets to continue his life at school. Um... But I thought some of the funnier moments in the manga were kind of these, to me, I guess, like kind of making fun of, of shonen manga moments where uh, this kid, uh, Poro, who's writing a diary, basically his motivation is that he wants to chronicle his time in the human world so that when he goes back and becomes king, he can make the demon world like Japan. <laughs> um, and so, you know, his his view of the human world is really um, colored by the manga he reads. So he's really into friendship and like, you know, he's he meets this boy named Yuda who stands up for him. And he's like, oh, my God, this is this is what friends are for. And you see these kind of like these these characters in the corner of the panel that look like, you know, Fist of the North Star guys, like, you know, old school shonen heroes, which I thought was was pretty funny. Yeah, there were. It, it was very like referential to yeah. a lot of things. There, you know, when you like go into his like uh, his like little room with all of his <laughs> real world stuff. There, yeah. there's like Dragon Ball and One Piece statues and and like various video game consoles and. Yep. Yeah. And so I I think that obviously as at the time that we're recording it, uh, I'm recording this. Um, that only that one chapter has come out so far, but it did 
more in that one chapter to impress me than either of the other ones. I really hope that it sticks around. It's it's a lot of fun. I yeah, it's not it's not spectacular, but I mean, I, I don't want to keep comparing stuff to just other things that I really didn't like. But I mean, yeah, coming after those other two jump starts, I was like, wow, okay, this is this is cute, and it's not gross in any way. And I could definitely just keep up with this as kind of a light little comedy series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. fun. It's funny. Um, it does a lot of things that I enjoyed. Yeah. No. And, and I, we don't really have... I'm trying to think of like the other books that are running. There's not really anything that's quite like this. Like There is the One Punch Man comparison, but that's a bit more... Yeah. I mean, One Punch Man is a comedy, but um, it's it's very different. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a comedy that's still, like, rather... It, it walks the line of being funny and just being, action like, action-oriented. Yeah. Right. Uh, and there's, like, it's not... There isn't really anything that's, like, kind of as cute in right. the same way. Right. I am a little worried that it will kind of become kind of like a typical kind of shonen's high school story. I'm a little worried that it'll go the route of like, oh, this girl likes me. And it, I, I mean, I hope it, it doesn't. Does, I, I can see some ways where it could either go that way, like become more like just kind of like, oh, it's just another high school story, but he's a demon. But yeah. and I can also I can also see with like the fights that we've seen, it mm-hmm. also like kind of losing some of its charm and becoming more. Right. You know, th- these are, I don't really see any sign of, to make me think that will happen. Right. But it's something that you could foresee happening. I'm willing to give uh, it willing to give it a shot. Yeah. This past month we also saw um, every now and then Shonen Jump, you know, it's not all serialized stories. Every now and then they do uh, one shot or two parters uh, often over like when they have uh, breaks with certain series they might do like a one where they do a two-parter of some other one that hasn't been like regularly showing. Um, but occasionally they just have like a little one shot that's completely unrelated and not to be a negative Nancy, but I would like to dedicate a little bit of time to talking about Tokidoki. Um, this is a one shot that it, I forget if it was the, it is the guy who does uh, Nisekoi, I believe. Right. right. Uh, I think so. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was, I believe, it was the first week of this month. Yep. Um, didn't start off the month very well. No. Because uh, you, we've mentioned this is something from people who aren't immersed in manga. We brought it up when we talked about food wars in the first one but there are certain things that just are gross to a lot of <laughs> to a lot of to a lot of you know more western audiences i think um this is like a little short supposed to be a romantic story and it wasn't even supposed to be a romantic comedy like like there were like sort of supposed to be funny bits i guess it sort of was rom-commy but not like in the same like way as many others are but you know it, it started with 
this guy again high school because it's always high school um, of course walk, walking in on this girl getting you know, she was changing in the nurse's room at the school for whatever reason it just and that's how their relationship started basically oh so romantic and it has this basically sees that she has this monitor uh she has this rare condition that he recognizes of that she only has so many heartbeats um left until she dies basically yes she will eventually run out (sighs) and so they engage on this they they're dating of a sort and you know going to like have exciting times to make sure that those heartbeats count you know (laughs) roller coasters and fun stuff like that you know i'm i don't use the term uh problematic as much as some people but there was like an element of that to this i felt is like i get i get what it was sort of going for with the whole enjoying every moment but it felt a bit like manslaughtery yeah it was it was manipulative i thought um the final twist um i uh I mean, I guess I'll go ahead and spoil it. I'm assuming everyone has, has read uh, Shonen Jump um, by this point. If you're not, if not, you're not. If not, so you're, yeah, yeah. Sorry to uh, just kind of go all out with it like that. But um, basically what happens is that at the very end, the kind of culminating scene of this little story is that you find out that um, the main character has the same condition as this girl he loves but he has far fewer heartbeats left so the final scene is them like at this rock concert and um the girl gets to like play guitar on stage and i I can't remember the specifics exactly but the guy like i think dies at the concert and then she finds out he like uses his last few heartbeats to find her 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 pick guitar pick Yes. <sighs> yeah, and that's supposed to be like so emotional and sad. And okay. I'm thinking, okay, I guess like, but but to me, I it it really didn't. It's it's manipulative in the sense that, to me at least, it didn't it didn't really hit the emotional beats it was going for. I was just kind of like, okay, uh, cool. This guy had the same condition. It kind of came out of nowhere. All right. Well, I also felt that it like um, was sort of like almost like ah, uh, you thought that what I was having the characters do was you know not very well thought out and you know just mm-hmm. kind of not correct for him to do. But it actually, but actually, you know, it's not so weird and bad. And it, it felt it felt kind of like undeserved. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's the right word. I, I think it, I see what you're getting at. You're like, you know, there wasn't really any hint that this guy needed to die, too. It was kind of like an extra misery. It felt like it was like, you know, that makes everything I had with her okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
I don't think it did. No. I guess. Zach, I yeah. well, I don't know. I. I, maybe we're, I didn't. Maybe we're being harsh. Oh, I just, I, I just didn't really, um, I guess, think about it in, in the same way necessarily as being um, manipulative. I guess I, I mean, it's very much, it's, it's in a vein of you know, kind of stories that aren't really my wheelhouse. Like I think yeah. of like the, you know, like the fault in our stars type, type Ooh, thing. Don't get me started. Um, um, but like, um, I guess I saw it more as like, just kind of dealing with like end of life issues and mm. which is something that like, I, I see a lot and, and yeah. kind of helping people, to make like make when you know that you have a a timeline essentially yeah. like making sure that you don't spend your last days just kind of like a doll on a shelf mm-hmm. you know right. essentially and, and so that i guess that's kind of how i saw it and then when you do get to the la- the final twist you know that he had the same thing and had fewer yeah. heartbeats it takes on kind of like a you know, like self-sacrificial type of theme, yeah. Tone, I, I guess, and so like when he, like hearing you guys talk about it, I, I I see that, and I think that's like a perfectly valid way of like approaching it. I yeah. I just didn't like initially take see it that way. Um, it's possible that I'm ascribing a like you know a maliciousness that's not there. I mean, I I meant manipulative in the sense that like okay, I think he was going for something and I, I don't necessarily think he was being deceptive about it, but he just didn't do it very well, in my opinion. Didn't earn it. You right. mean the, the writer or the, or the, the main character? Uh, the okay. writer, <laughs> sorry, the writer, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely can agree with that. Like, it wasn't, um, you know, it, it wasn't like groundbreaking or, or, oh. or anything like that. Or you know, or anything like the the emotional beats that it hit weren't. You know, this wasn't as as a one shot. It, it was just a story. You know, it right. just it, it was what it was. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's not. You felt a bit, a bit checking off the boxes, you mm-hmm. know, rather than something actually interesting. Yeah, but but yeah, you're right. Like the you know walking in on a girl in her underwear it was oh, a, a little <laughs> it's it's how else are you gonna find your heart monitor <laughs> uh. yeah now also over the past few months um i don't know about you zach um at the time are you actually a? Have you have you been uh, getting back with my hero academia i remember when i'm still not like quite still current i uh, yeah um, so we'll quickly talk a bit about how over the, this past month, I would say has been some of the best for Yeah. It for has been a really good month. Great chapters. Yeah. Right back to back. Um, there's a, you had like one extremely good chapter where you really amped up, uh, you know, not to sound like you know yeah. I'm 13 or something, but you know the, there was a bit more violence, and it kind of showed the like how serious things are getting. Yeah, the stakes were upped. Um, basically, there's this uh, 
Yeah, I really like this character. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a villain uh, in My Hero Academia who has been kind of um, coming into his own. Um, I think he's being pretty much groomed as the main villain. He's this guy named um, uh, Tomura Shigaraki. And his ability, um, I mean, all of the uh, characters in this manga have an ability called a quirk. And um, his quirk is that uh, anything he touches um, with all five of his fingers uh, dissolves. So he's kind of being groomed by the former, one of the, one of kind of an, uh, part of the old league of villains of this story um, called uh, One for All. And this latest chapter that Walter is referencing um, introduced like a few other villain characters that are kind of trying to join up with Shigaraki's group. And, and let's be clear, Shigaraki, this character, if you see him, uh, he's clearly made for like 14 year old boys. <laughs> he's, he's pretty edgy. Uh, but just kind of the kind of brutality of this chapter really kind of caught me by surprise and made me think, oh, okay, well, maybe this is going to get, uh, this is going to kind of up, up the stakes and it definitely has. So, but at the same, at the same time, he then like has followed it up with some chapters that have been just pure fun. Like, uh, the latest, uh, with Midoriya meeting, oh, uh, what's uh, the... Sir Nighteye. Sir Nighteye, you know, you've got... You had this very funny scene of him trying to like do an impression of All Might to impress him because Night Eye uh, was his former. He was a former sidekick. Former sidekick. Yep. Um, and then they just like kind of get in this sort of like, oh well, you know, you when All Might, you know, he his crow's eyes, you know, or what was it like point six centimeters. <laughs> Something like that, his, and they're like the Silver Age outfit was in the Silver Age. He did this or wore this. Like they were kind of, it was kind of a nod to Western yeah. comics too. Yeah, fan, fanboying over it, trying to like you know, who who knows the most trivia and all that. And as it's moving on, just I, I'm very excited to see how it goes on. Um, but to uh, sorry to to quickly get a move on, but uh, the other series that I think has just had the more interesting month uh, was The Promised Neverland. Mm. And I, I read uh, your review of not the most recent chapter, but the one before yeah, that. I think it was yeah. the 25th one. 25th. 25th chapter, I'm pretty sure. And it's something that we've been talking about, and I'm not sure. How long do you think uh, they're planning to go with this? Is there like... is it seems to have like a end goal in mind already, but I'm not sure. Like it could, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that's one of the things that I, I touched on in my review. It definitely seems that there's a trajectory for where this is going. Yeah. yeah. Where this current storyline is going now. I think there's a potential because, you know, right now the story is taking place within this like very closed world. Mm -hmm. There's a potential for, you know, an expansion into, you know, say they get outside. Right. Yeah. That you could go out and you could, you know, the potential is theoretically, you know, limitless, I guess, of where the story could go. I, I personally don't think it, unless it gets uh, canceled prematurely, uh, I don't think it could end before they really kind of explore the outside world. I mean, they've kind of already hinted at... Uh, 
how it works with like the demons and the plants and the people that are uh, working with the demons to, you know, farm children, basically. I don't really see it ending before they kind of uh, tackled that aspect of the world. I mean, I don't really, I, you know what I'm saying? I don't see them escaping and it just ending there. Um, see, my the thing that I've been wondering about and is that I feel like if the story was about them exploring what the world is like, you know, this is me looking at from like a completely, you know, just structural view, not really like analyzing the actual story. But I feel like if it was more about their adventures in this like weird world that they're stuck in, that they would have escaped by now. Mm. And I think for me, the longer that it goes without them escaping, the more that I feel like they're going to escape, there's going to be some dramatic reveal, the end. Hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe... I don't know. I, I see it... I, I don't know. I just I feel, unless the... I mean, I'm assuming the author has a, a vision for where it's going. Um, I just feel like that would be so premature. Um, I could see it going for maybe another hundred chapters. I mean, I know that seems like a lot, but with manga being so decompressed, um, honestly, I mean, and they've made this last day before they are supposedly going to escape last, like, you know, a month and a half. Uh, you know, it could easily go up to, I don't know, you know, 17 volumes. I mean, Monster is, I mean, the original uh, release was 17 volumes, I believe. I could see something like this going, maybe not the typical shonen length of, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chapters, but maybe to the 150 point. Yeah, this type of story, you know, more the the thriller seems to lend itself to like around, right? you know, 15 to 20 volumes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they've kind of dropped some plot threads like... Uh, I just remember a few weeks back, they were mentioning someone like whose books they were reading, the kids in the story, um, who had like... That's a good point. And so I'm thinking, yeah, so there's this like author that some of them had read um, that had left hints um, about the outside world, I believe, in the stories that were left in this orphanage that they're all living in. So I'm thinking like, okay, that plot thread has to be continued on um, at least. Um, and I'm feeling yeah. like they're going to meet this guy maybe. Uh, and that's that's the kind of stuff that makes me think. Okay, I think this is this has some staying power. Definitely not, you know, more than I would say three hundred chapters. Uh, but but yeah, it do, it definitely feels like those kinds of of plot points are a long way off. Right. Yeah, I I had forgotten about that. So I think you do have a point there that 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 particular. Uh, moment of them like kind of talking about the book and. Yeah, the the various books and all that um, does suggest a bit more of a longer term kind of thing. Yeah, but then I kind of come back to my what I was talking about before that. Okay, if that's the case, I kind of wish that they had gotten out. Uh, well, yeah. we'll see how we'll see how I feel once it finally um, happens. It hasn't really gotten boring, I don't think. But the past few chapters have been a little have been dragging. I think um, I I'm kind of impatient for them to have a confrontation with the head of their plant. Um, and I, 
you know, I, I, I like, you know, I like the tone of the story. I'm just like waiting for it to get as dark as I think it has the potential to be. I don't mean like grim dark, uh, heaven forbid, but um, just, you know, it, 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 I think it has the potential to be more than just like kind of a typical shonen that. Yeah. So we'll see. All right. And and I think to uh, close off our discussion, Zach, uh, you mentioned before we started, you had something to say about Black Clover. So let me, I'll first quickly mention that I feel this past month, I don't know if you'd agree, um, has just been a lot of, it felt, it's, I got back into it when I was like preparing for this, you know, I kind of binged it as like, I'm liking it. Uh, but recently these past few chapters have just been kind of, oh, it's not actually over. Oh, it's not actually over, you know, back to back, which is of course a staple of this kind of genre, but it, especially for what doesn't seem to be that like big of an arc, it's felt like undeserved in a way. Like I kind of just want it to be over. Um, yeah. <laughs> to, to get to get a move on, get back to you know, advancing the plot rather than sudden reveal of you know oh there's this bit to this guy you didn't know oh this person has to fight you now and all that. Yeah, so I mean it, it's you know it, it is hitting like a lot of the like common tropes you know the main character Asta had like his first big. Um, transformation i guess which is a thing that these things do um (laughs) yeah it's um so i've this is um since we last talked (laughs) this is a book that i've read from the from the start it was like one of the like earliest ones that i think i picked up from the start and and i liked it because you know it it it's really basic shonen and and i you know, it was just enjoyable. The art was good. All the reasons I've said that I liked it. But since we last talked, I've binged 38 volumes of Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> you better have a good explanation for this. And I would have done more had... I'm currently waiting. Someone else has the 30... I, I have... I'm waiting to get volumes 39 and 40. I have everything after that up to 64 currently in my house right now waiting to wow. be read. Um, so, yeah, so after having read that, Black Clover does not seem nearly as interesting or engaging or even worthwhile, um, because, like, I, I had heard, like, when it first came out that this, that it was kind of just, like, a blatant ripoff of, of Naruto, and kind of knew that based on what I knew of Naruto, but now, like, it, it definitely is that. And without like any of the things that I think may have made Naruto kind of like endure, endearing to its fans, um, just like See? the character work is just not there at all. The dialogue is not there. Um, the plot's not even there. Yeah, yeah, that, that's interesting because I think it was poor planning back when uh, Black Clover first started. Maybe maybe it wasn't when it started, but shortly before. Uh, Viz was still doing what they called jump backs, which I kind of wish they would still do, where they ran like the first few chapters of a completed series, or if not completed, like just a long running series. Um, and so it wasn't too long before Black Clover that they did the first few chapters of Naruto. And I and I read them. I thought it was 
okay, but I didn't like have any strong desire to continue. And then Black Clover came around. Man, you know, of course, a lot of these like shonen fighting manga are going to have similar tropes, similar characters, and all that, you know, follow similar story beats. But really, the first couple chapters of Black Clover compared to the first couple chapters of Naruto are very similar. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, it's almost beat for beat. You know, you've got, the, you've got the kind of, um, like... The, Every, the everyone else is really child. special. Yeah, everyone is special. You have this, like, ungifted, kind of despised child who wants to be the very best and has this rival who's good at everything. And... There's like some mo- some confrontation mm-hmm. that reveals that oh he's special after all, right, uh, right. So um, yeah, I can. When when you brought up you know that um, you had new opinions on <laughs> Black Clover after your Naruto binge, I figured it would be something along those lines. Yeah, pretty much. Which um, yeah, Naruto's really good. At least I think so. Um, or else I wouldn't have read 30-plus volumes in a month. Wow. Um, Even when I was reading all of One Piece, I never read that much in a month. Well, <laughs> it got... you're, you're just not a true fan like Zachary's is. <laughs> no. Or maybe you're just not as like compulsive and obsessive as I am. Um, I can't say. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll find out more as the podcast progresses. We, but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I've I've really enjoyed it and um coincidentally one of the things that made me kind of go back was um and and try this. I had read a few volumes previously, but um I've like been enjoying the the Boruto book that's run, currently running mm. and right. the the last chapter just um well the, the the series has been kind of um retelling the the most recent film, right? Um, that that was released <laughs> did, in Japan. Did you see the movie? Oh, I wasn't sure if it came out here. No, I think it comes out in America in March. Um, you got so, your tickets? No, well, no. I, I think they did like a they did like a theater thing. That it's coming oh, out okay. on Blu-ray in March. Um, okay. But I mean, it's. Uh, I read it and like I enjoyed it for what it was, but now like having gone back and read some of the original series like there's definitely you know it's building on especially this most recent chapter there's like a lot of flashback images to to things that happened in the original series and you know you're building on yeah like a lot of emotional things from that and and this was really kind of like you know the the passing of the torch moment so it's a it i'm interested to see where it goes now now that it kind of like gets to be its own thing it's not adapting a, a pre-existing story and and it's interesting that it's a different um like the original uh creator um kishimoto is still supervising but it's being written and, and drawn by it's being written by a, a different writer and, and drawn by by another right. artist right um kind of similarly to how like dragon ball super is working now mm. yeah. as a manga um which the art is still like it's it's still like pretty reminiscent of kishimoto's work but it's it's yeah. different enough it's still i think it's still really good but yeah i'm enjoying that and i'm interested to see where it goes next great and cool well you know that's about all we have time for uh, this month uh next month for the book club portion we are going to be reading uh 
Oran High School Host Club, which is a semi-parody, at least, if not probably more full parody that sometimes wavers in its parodiness, of my <laughs> uh, shoujo high school manga. Because, um, again, as we've said before, it's always high school. Um, so join us uh, next month for that. Uh, we'll be re- we'll be primarily talking about the first three volumes. Um, of course, if you really like what you read, continue on, and we might make you know some slight references to what comes after, but you know, not going into spoiler territory. And again, uh, just uh, as we said before, we've got this contest. So once again, as a reminder, if you want to just subscribe to our podcast, uh, take a picture of proof of subscription and tweet it using the hashtag. MC Manga Club, you'll be entered to win a uh, year's worth of weekly Shonen Jump. So, thanks for listening, and you'll hear from us next time. Bye, guys! <laughs> <laughs>